Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's Friday, it's the Untitled Banter Podcast, the UBP, the UBP, UBP, the UBP, how are you doing, Mr. Gill? I am so fantastic that I'll play a little kazoo rendition for you. (laughs) I'm so very, very excited because it is Friday, baby, yeah! I think the noise cancelling, the noise gate that we have equipped didn't, you just, I'm going to play a kazoo thing and it just went, and then that was it. That's pretty much it, what a kazoo is though, to be fair. But it is time for the UBP. And what does that it mean, is. Scott? What do we do on this that show? means it's the Untitled Banner Podcast, where we ask people for whatever they'd like us to talk about. And we got some music questions this week, as long as some TV stuff, gaming stuff. Spicy. What, gaming's, gaming's the main thing, but salty. whatever you guys would like us to talk about, whether it is salty Bitter. stuff, food stuff, <laughs> veggie things, or whatever it is, and we'll get to as many questions as possible. I'm Scott Tilford, joined by Jules Gill. This Hello. is the Untitled Banner Podcast. I think I said that, but first question is from Jack Asbury. He says, hi, lads. I know it's been talked about to death, but I'm nearly finished Elden Ring, and I want to know which boss gave you the most trouble and which one gave you the least trouble. Also, Andy Taylor said favorite boss was Radan, hardest was Melania, and least favorite was the Elden Beast. Now, Elden Ring feels like it was such a time. Like, I it know, feels like, right? You know, now it's like May, we're about to hit June, and I feel like the first, I don't know, like February, well, I guess it would be March um, and April were just dominated by Elden Ring. But when you think back on it, do you have uh, bosses that stand out? Oh, 100%, man. There is a few bosses that are still stuck in my craw because every time that I've gone <laughs> back through on New Game Pluses and with different characters, mm. it's the Godskin Apostle and his, and his ridiculously the- rotund mate. <laughs> the Ornstein and smile yeah, with uh, Elden Ring. Just, like, this is the thing. I, I love the fact that... Um, from soft much like with patches always includes references to itself in some form and mm. having this sort of not so subtle reference of being ornstein and smo it's mm-hmm. lovely to battle against them but that first moment when you uh meet up with them and it's like oh if you hadn't gone and found the separate bosses and fought them uh, exclusively yes. then that boss fight is a nightmare like <laughs> i remember uh, going up all the way to the secret tower climbing up the stuff and all the way down in the inside bit and fighting the godskin apostle and i was like yes. oh you're hard enough on your own to deal with and i fought um large lad when he was on the bridge and i was like okay well to be fair, i i kind of cheese the large lad i'm not gonna lie i let, okay. you know when he does that like super roly-poly jam mm-hmm. uh move that he oh, does? You just get to- yeah, i get him stuck <laughs> i get him stuck in the animation on on horseback yes. just draw him into that and then just whack away at him and it's just oh, like, oh you're, just dead. Like you're done mate 
like behind a pillar and I was like, well, it can't get to me yeah. and you can jump up on the pillar and just hit it from there. Yeah. But um, yeah, a lot of the splash damage in the hitboxes are a nightmare for that thing because it's such a weird elasticated boss anyway. So I just abused that until he went into his <laughs> second form. But fighting them together was just, oh, I had to summon help for it because I was just like, mm. I can't be dealing with both of you at the same time. I need one of mm. you to be distracted so I can just focus fire. Uh, but well, we talked about um, we talked about summoning and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, like previous questions, previous UVPs, because I, I love summoning in the Souls games and especially in Elden Ring, especially if you just drop into some random little dungeon crawl, like across Knockron or whatever. And so I, by that point in the game, like I'd fought the optional version of that. So when they turned up in the main path, I was like, I can't fight you again. Like, yeah. just whatever. Yeah. I'll just call someone <laughs> yeah. in. Let's just defeat them. Still took me a few tries. But like, yeah, I was ready for that game to be done when I was hitting those bosses. What was your hardest um, like that, boss? Um... Oh my god! The maybe the fire giant, oh, um, I just hate because the fire giant. that thing. It's because it's fire. It's because its hitboxes are so stupid. Like it kill its toe killed me. Like I would <laughs> get it down to a smidgen of health. I realized as well that because I hadn't done all the like um, separate exploratory stuff, I had like Josh was like 120 hours in yeah. when he got to the fire giant, so he like stood a chance. His attacks did enough damage where he could sort of like survive in that uh, boss fight yeah. and then actually beat it. Whereas I got there way too early and I was just like chip damaging it all yeah. the way down. To like a centimeter health, and then it would roll over, and its foot would just touch me and kill me in one hit. Any little thing it did would kill me in one hit. And so the thing I died the most to probably was the fire giant. Um, Funnily enough, I did Melania a second time. I was summoning, but I'll still I will always say that I drew the most aggro in that fight. I always feel like there needs to be this gamer metal thing of like, no guys, I did beat it. Um, Even though I do love summoning, but yeah, Melania, I absolutely loved fighting. But the one that killed me just a hundred times was the fire giant. But I was way under leveled for it. and the game was telling me, go do something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, you're not But ready, I was just mate. like, no, in my head, I was like, no, no, the credits must be around here. I've been fighting yeah, for ages. Yeah, yeah. I'm on a mountain. It's got to be the end. But no, it was not. Um, do you have any any that you are like loving in terms of the lore and stuff? Because I was getting oh. lost in the lore, but I've not kept up with it. I tell you what, uh, thanks to good old uh, Vati Vidya, um, they, he explored the cut content of Elden Ring. And it's a video yes. that I fully recommend that people go and watch if you're even remotely interested into this game because it's fascinating. And mm-hmm. he turned out that there was a secret quest line for the Mimic tier. And ah. what it is is like there's a being that you can ingest inside your body who wants like a host to live with because it's like this uh, lends you its power and it's scared of death. So it wants to bond onto your spirit. And what it is, is you get down into the underground layer, you know, when the world just opens up and you realize there's another air, like land yes. underneath the ground. And when you are sent to look for these chalices, you find them and it splits away from you. And by okay. doing that, it basically uh, you turn into it turns into the mimic tier boss fight. Right. So that means that you uh, end up it would have fighting all your stuff. Yeah, exactly, to that point. and it yeah. makes more sense. So I was like, mm-hmm. if that was still in the game, then the mimic tier actually has some of the most interesting lore around it because it's well, a good story. The- that thing would like broke the game. Like, look, like, I didn't get them. I didn't get the mimic tier. That was one of the last things I picked up. Like, I was like 140 hours in when I was mopping up the entire map, and then I finally found the mimic tier, and then kicked myself that I'd walked past it when I like went through that level in the first place. But that, considering that thing, Nyon breaks the game anyway. Like, they I almost should have left that quest in because it is yep. one of the most powerful summons that you can get. Um, but yeah, Melania, like like I said, did it second time. I love the lore, the visuals of Melania. I love that she just oh, oh, reminds me of Sephiroth, sort of the bloom, being like, sort of like, yeah, so like cool. nature flower like toxic poison mm-hmm. and it's like she's mastered it and she has this insane it's like the wrath the scarlet rot mm-hmm. and she's the source of it and when you go down to that boss area it's like just this incredibly gorgeous place um i loved Riker as well the big snake guy yeah that looks um, amazing he just it? he's like join us in family and yeah. i was like that's so cool like i love those things um i thought that who's the dude 
it's one. It's either Godfrey Godric or um, the other other god. Yeah. But um, the one who has the bigger uh, tiger lion thing over his shoulder. Oh yes. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I know and he like becomes one with it, and you have you have that really cool fight with him. And there's like the the horror Lou fight as well, where it's like the real version of him that yeah. was like you know off wandering the wasteland and everything. I, I did have Elden Ring's lore memorized for like a week, <laughs> and I was just, it's not there anymore. It was there. Um, I did a tweet about it because I was like, oh okay, so this this this. But um, since then, it's kind of dropped off. But I'm assuming they'll bring like maybe greater clarity or at least more wrinkles to the law when they do the DLC because a lot of people are assuming yeah. all the star stuff is going to get brought in because there's a lot of like mention of what happened in the stars yeah. and the different dragon lords and everything. So there's a lot more to plug in. Like I say, um, with the amount of cut content that they already had for the base mm. game, it, they could even just draw on some of that, make that into a DLC, and that is mm-hmm. an amazing amount of content that's going to be dropped back in. Who did you enjoy fighting? Who did you round this off with positive um, fights? Who did you? Who was the? I don't know the uh, Artorius of the Abyss of Elden Ring. For me, Radan, I I love that fight. It's mm. it's just so cinematic I'd and amazing. Radon, actually, and like yeah. even the uh, little moments and touches, like when you summon in patches, he immediately runs away because he's like, "No thanks, <laughs> mate. I'm not having any of this." And I'm like, "Oh, that's actually a really clever touch that they made his cowardice an actual facet of mm. this battle." I love summoning the jar guy in like, when you yeah. all run in and you summon everyone around you, and it's like it is like a raid boss. It feels amazing, doesn't player. it? Yeah, and it's like the spectacle of it. It's just that thing where he flies up and comes back down as the meteor. Again, splash yeah. damage, hitboxes. That's a lot of people tied to that thing. Um, but Radan was one of the... Any boss that I that was hard and then beat and then summoned back in to get other people over the finish line, mm-hmm. Like that's my favorite thing to do in any uh, Souls game. Um, next question from Elfar Oliver, who says, with the mass cancellation of Xbox Game Pass, delays of Starfield, and the other one, means Redfall, <laughs> and the Halo TV show compared to the new Sony shows in development and the new PlayStation Plus, has Xbox already lost the battle of this generation? Oh, this whole battle battle thing going back and forth <laughs> to be fair it actually does feel more like a battle than ever what with the purchasing mm. of different studios and the uh the fact that they're both moving on to the paper month services like that yeah i do yeah. before it felt like they were just two companies doing very different things but now they are converging on one point which is it is the funny, casual like, subscription market effectively yeah and like when you like when you line up like like you said i mean the halo tv show that's an absolute uh, mess it's not i don't hate it but i won't I, lie i, I haven't it. watched it but i've not heard good it's, things you're not missing out it's it's not a, it's it's not really worth talking about it's a mess <laughs> um but there are some there's some cool ideas in there that barely get fleshed out um but yeah in terms of that stuff it is kind of interesting that sony are also kind of going in going like we're going to do a god of war tv show and we're going to do a horizon tv show yep. um and try and sort of match the potential of xbox picking more um ip out of their closet but they don't have that much to pick from unless they do like a fable fantasy show or something yeah I or mean, like a sea of thieves show maybe they kind but, of um, went a very different yeah. route didn't they because it was like while mm. sony store focused on getting as many mascots you would call them or like identifiable characters Halo, uh, sorry um uh, microsoft just doubled down on the one and two that they had i mean they could do Pretty a much. gears of war thing that could do very well finally get batista in to be marcus phoenix i mean something. that definitely yeah. sounds like something i would watch if they turn that into a <laughs> gritty bro- um what's it called brothers What's, what's it called? Like a Brothers in Arms Yeah, that would be amazing if they did something if like it, that. Yeah, if they get the tone right, it'd be sweet. I just, I don't know, like with any sort of like video game TV show, I just don't have faith in it. Like, it's like, if you're going to do a Horizon show, I already I already think you're going to mess up the dinosaurs. Like, I doubt you're yeah. going to do practical, uh, like actually build them, like and actually do like proper robots yeah. and stuff. I think it'll be crappy CG. And yeah, and the budget, really yeah, clean. you never get enough budget to make those things no. look good. Like, even when you're looking at all of the Marvel stuff that they've done um, on the, uh, when, since Disney, bought them mm. like the the cgi there is very good for tv but it's always the for right, yeah. tv addendum mm-hmm. like 
So well, that's always the thing, and it's like a lot that has dogged a lot of the Disney shows, the Marvel shows. Like, there's still not really been one where it's like, oh my god, look at this. Um, and apparently, the new Obi Wan is like, it doesn't have great compositing either. It looks, uh, I saw, I think it was on Deadline, they were saying it looks like a '90s throwback with uh, lots of green screen oh, stuff. Oh no! Um, but whatever. But yeah, in terms of the Xbox stuff, I think where they are is fascinating. I do, as someone who's in, who loved the X, who, you know, who's been with us since the beginning, loved the Xbox, the 360, had every like, Xbox, even had an Xbox One, and now the series systems. I am just a bit like. Like gutted that they don't have a first party lineup. I know they have mm-hmm. so many mm-hmm. um, studios under their wing, and I think all those things are coming. But it is weird that we're sort of like we're two years into the generation, or they've had arguably the entire last generation to play catch up and plan everything. And what they've planned is um, Game Pass and the thing that leaked last night, which was a, um, a USB dongle for a TV, so you can get Game Pass and play it through your TV. Now that which is, is a great it, idea. It's very interesting that. It's awesome, but like, but what games though? Like, it's yeah. the great little collections of monthly stuff. That's what the Game Pass back and forth thing was. People going like, "Oh, what am I paying for?" So, like, so I'm, people are know, saying about like the mass cancellations of Game Pass. Mm. Is that actually like quite a significant drop off? I think reports of that might have been greatly exaggerated. It definitely started with the Washington Post's Gene Park saying that he was getting sick of it and giving up on it. And then there was a lot of other people. There was like Tom's Guide's Tony Polanco weighed in, kind of funnies, uh, Paris weighed mm-hmm. in. There was a lot of like blue ticky people going like, yeah, I'm, I'm also um, what checking what out. What don't they like about it? Is it the fact that it's just not supported in terms of like patches and stuff like that on PC? For no, example, it, well, it's just it? new stuff. Like it's sort of like I'm paying, like if, if they were in the UK, it's 11 pounds. So it's like mm-hmm. I'm paying 11 pounds a month for what? And it's like, well, you get, for me, I think it's unbelievable that value for money yeah like, i'm still playing through half of the games that have yeah, just come exactly. out like i've only just downloaded the total warhammer 3 which came out like nice. that but it's just the fact that it's on there and i don't have to shell out 50 60 quid for it i'm very happy well, i was with. playing sniper elite 5 last night and i love track to mm. yomi like for me there's always about two or three games in there that justify the price because even one individual game would probably be a tenner anyway yeah so i always think they're incredible value for money but a lot of the conversation came down to well there's where are the first party games like where are the the yeah. big sort okay. of exclusives and then people brought up uh, i think it was well, it was mentioned by Gene Park, but people brought up this quote from Xbox back when Game Pass uh, launched or uh, refined itself in June la- in 2021, which was uh, Xbox saying, we'll have an exclusive every three months. And they right. obviously haven't. Okay. They're not even close to that. So, like, I think it's in- it's phenomenal value for money. I actually suggest people get a Series S in Game Pass if you're just new to gaming. Um, but I, ca- I guess I can see the argument that they don't have the first party lineup, which is something that PlayStation will have when their service launches, even though they won't um, have new games on there. They are adding all their entire library on there for the same similar monthly fee. So yeah, it was a lot of that. It was just like, oh my God, I'm paying a monthly fee just for a bunch of indies or just for a bunch of games that aren't AAA exclusives. But that's that's not why I game. I'm not only focusing on them, even though I do think it's weird and deflating that they don't have that lineup. I think that is a bit disappointing. I mean, we might be having a very different conversation in about a year's time when the Mm. Bethesda deal really kicks into uh, high gear, when we start seeing other things sort of say, hey, look, maybe we are going to have timed exclusives. Maybe we are going to have just exclusive event stuff for Mm -hmm. the new Doom or we're going to have DLC that only comes out on that. Because we discussed this before about whether or not we thought that um, some of the Bethesda lineups or the acquisitions that they had would go completely first party. And we both said... In I ra- think they will eventually. In a roundabout way, we both said that yes, but it would be silly for them to do it straight away because they cut mm-hmm. out a huge portion of their market, which is obviously going to be a huge revenue source. And to be fair, with the cost of that acquisition, they're going to need to make their money back however they can. Mm-hmm. So... We never actually discussed the option that they could do, which is, yes, it's going to be on every platform, but the Mm. DLCs, the event stuff may be exclusive to Xbox Uh. players. Mm-hmm. So you might maybe I mean they did was, that we um, did that with um do you remember when Dead Rising three came out 
They had mm-hmm. uh, the DLC packs that allowed you to play all of the characters up until the point that they meet Nick. But then they brought out the, what was the really elongated name that it was like? Dead Rising 3 Alpha Turbo Hyper Mega oh, God, Edition. Remember yeah, that? The, that was exclusive. The Capcom self-aware edition. Yeah, yeah. That, was the cap, that was the Xbox exclusive and it's never been seen in anything else. Now, who's no. to say that they wouldn't do something like that? Give a package or a collection that is Xbox or PC exclusive. Like, Well, for the longest time, because it was always like games play best on PlayStation or whatever. Mm. But yeah, they can absolutely say, you know, Yes, you get the base version over on PlayStation. Oh, that would be such a way to stick it to them. If they actually took that and said, like, oh, games play better on PlayStation. Ah, but you're playing the vanilla experience, my friend. They go, yeah, and look at all these premium editions. Look at all these mm-hmm. deluxe things, which you would get at gratis if you just paid your monthly fee. Yep. The thing I think they're going to do, which it'll get very spicy very quickly, is I think they will offer um, the Game Pass system, the streaming, xCloud, whatever, on PlayStation and Nintendo. And if like, and either they'll force that app onto the dashboard, or it'll be, you know, it'll just be the case of if you want to play Doom, Elder Scrolls, Fallout, whatever, they are uh, Game Pass exclusive. I think that yeah. that'll be a phrase that starts coming out, and that'll be offered to Sony. It's like, well, if you want them on your console, you're going to have to stream them through our app yep. we have to make them available yep. that way um, and that's how they they remind playstation owners that xbox exists and and that kind of thing you, so that's my assumption have you been reading about this thing as well where it's like um how it's quite a worrying thing actually that mm. they're looking to incentivize the game pass in ways that are like almost like a battle pass system okay. so it's like have you downloaded five new titles this month here here's a skin uh. for one of the games how how many hours have you clocked on in total on game pass games here's a skin here's a here's i guess a, I, i'm like whoa that's getting into the grindy nature of paying, yo that's like, the thing yeah if it feels like if it feels like a lifestyle choice where mm-hmm. it's it's that thing where every game is trying to take up as much of your personal time as possible then yeah gamifying owning your own library <laughs> oh, I said, oh i don't know about that i don't mind if it feels natural if because i'm someone who plays like as many games as possible anyway so if there's something that ties into that that just sort of like says like hey by the way we've realized you live the big dip life here's 10 skins or something yeah but imagine that would happen anyway imagine the exploitation of fomo it's like oh here's the flaming (laughs) skull variant of that amazing halo armor that everyone wants Mm. and you can only get it if you have played uh like downloaded this or got enough friend to download Mm. halo then you pack or something like that like i guess part of me hopes they would do the best thing with it and use it to boost sort of um you know like visibility of of tiny little Mm -hmm. games like indie games or something or or like put them in a bundle and say you should at least play the first few levels of this yeah um if you really want that extra thing but then that i guess whatever that thing is has to be optional so it doesn't feel too forced i just hope that for me the best thing about game pass is visibility on games i wouldn't have played anyway or people might not have played anyway and so i hope they find a way to bring that together but to bring it back to elfar's question i don't think xbox has lost the battle or anything the Xbox Series S actually outsold the PS5 in Japan. I think it was last month or mm-hmm. for the majority mm-hmm. of this month. Um, so I think they're getting there. It's just that they're playing different games. Like Xbox is playing for the living room. They're playing for the mainstream audience. Phil Spencer said years ago that their main competition was Amazon and Google. So I think that's what they're going for. Um, and that doesn't really interest me as much because it is a big wider mainstream pull. Mm-hmm. And I do want those exclusives and reasons to invest in the console. But hopefully they get they, they will come too. It's just that weirdly it's taking forever. It's taking them like a generation and a half to sort of assemble um, some first party stuff so no I don't think they've lost but um, they're just playing different games yep. but we'll see how it goes next question from Attack on Pixels um, first of all wish you are all in good health and doing well that must be aimed at Mr. Jules uh, yeah, I'm all very well. thank you very much he is question is the, are the days of hyping a game gone I can't remember the last time I was genuinely hyped for a game like I used to be back in the Halo 3 days is this due to live services subscriptions etc um, this is interesting because I tend to think of this too I wonder whether the average person uh, like is just too 
uh, jaded with the, the launch state of games. Like, yeah. you know, when was the last time a game launched and it was a brilliant launch? Like, nine times out of ten, it's buggy, the servers are down at midnight, the better version comes out a week later, and we've had massive uh, No Man's Sky, Cyberpunk 2077, like, mm-hmm. these big, big, big titles that didn't, they didn't only just fail, but they, like, faceplanted the floor and then kept nutting the yeah. floor because they just <laughs> couldn't get up again. And so... I wonder if the average consumer has just gone, I'm going to wait and just see what it's like. Well, you say that, but Mm. pre-orders and exclusive bonus (laughs) stuff that you get for day one purchasing or pre or day zero purchasing, Mm. they are still absolutely rife. And there are still companies Mm. that will trade exclusively on that because they're just like, we need to make back this money as quickly as possible. I think that like hype is something that is still exploited regularly. 
maybe about a month or two away from actual release. The problem mm. that so many games have are like, hey, look, we're announcing the title. People go mad. <laughs> then we announce the release date. Okay, they've gone mad again. Then they announce mm. this. And then by the time that it actually comes out, you could be looking for like a year, a year and a half between those two points. And the game, it might be great, but it's either going to face a massive backlash of not living up to the hype that was created mm. by a year and a half of marketing ploys, or it's going to just be like, oh, I'm so tired of thinking about this game. I'll play it when it's ready sort of thing. Like, you well, just, plus, like, I mean, the marketing spin, the marketing departments, they run so much faster than game dev, and yeah. they might have advertised a feature that is now being scrapped later mm-hmm. on because some part of the game engine doesn't work with that thing anymore, or that level's been uh, gutted out or anything. One thing I think that we lack, um, this is potentially a bit of a tangent, but I don't think um, the industry prioritizes storytelling anywhere near as much as it used to. Mm-hmm. Like, Halo 3 was a huge deal because it was the close of a trilogy, and we were all following it, and when I played through the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, I was like, oh my god, I, I forgot what it felt like to go on like a saga, yeah. but, like, like a trilogy. Yeah. And, and capitalize on it, the ebbs and flows and all the different shared fan theories and bringing all those things together. We don't really have that. Like we had like Horizon Forbidden West sort of like came and went almost because of Elden Ring. But even then the Horizon mythos isn't really hotly debated. People weren't actively looking forward to the next story side no. of Horizon. Um, and it's like, you know, we, we have God of War part two coming up, which I think is quite muted by the fact that it's on PS4 as well. Mm-hmm. But like, hopefully you can get, I just, I miss those big sort of saga feels like Halo had that, Mass Effect had that. You know, I miss it. A good example would be, uh, strangely enough, Saints Row, because mm. um, the new game that's coming out isn't focusing on story, isn't focusing no. on anything. You don't even see narrative pop-ups in Johnny any of Gatt the... is nowhere to be found. It, it, there's nothing to incite you to pick up that game for the story. It's just going, no. hey, wacky memes, blah, 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 explosions. Now, I think loads you... of games have the open world version of that too, like Dying Light 2 mm-hmm. or Anthem or whatever it is. But if you scale back a bit and you look at how Saints Row 3 and 4 were marketed, they still mm. push the story mode quite heavily but it was then accompanied by the -the over-the-top violence and silliness Mm -hmm. like it was always like hey look there is a reason to play this game rather than just hey wacky fun explosion simulator yeah, and it's like you can do, like, I love Saints 3. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite games, but it's like, yeah, those things are, there's like good writing in there. There's like a funny script. There's like things that tie the set pieces together. It's Whereas not this, just like new yeah. Saints Row game. It literally, for me, just goes, right, okay, I'm going to be bored after about 15 minutes because <laughs> you are either showing me everything I can do in the trailers and you're kind of just worried almost that there is no substance behind this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the industry has a massive problem with bloat and just sort of like, here's what, like, you're doing the same thing after 30 hours as you were after 30 minutes or three minutes. Um, And uh, it just massively gets in the way of everything. Another good example is Gotham Knights. I know that it sounds like you and I keep dunking on this game, but it's not because (laughs) of the fact that we want this game to fail. Far from it. I want this to be the next best Batman game since the Mm. last one. But it's a case of every single time that I'm looking at gameplay demos, every single time I'm looking at any sort of marketing around this game. The, the narrative seems to be in the back seat. It's just like, totally. hey, look, this is how the game plays. Hey, look, this is what you can do. And it's like, I need to see a reason because at the moment, the- these bullet spongy enemies and just doing like uh, the thwippy, flippy, shoot you uh, young buck style thing, it's not, it's not doing it for me at the moment. Well, it's like defend this point against waves of enemies. Uh, like, yeah. no, why would I have, why, unless that point means something, I don't care. Yeah. Like that whole thing as well. Gotham Knights is a perfect example because that game's story is, like you said, on the back foot, but also it's weirdly meshed in with the Arkham verse. Like yes. it's sort of like Bruce Wayne's dead and we're sort of doing stuff after that, but it's not actually an Arkham game, but we are pivoting off that You're 
trading on it, basically. You're trading on it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like you, you contrast to how much we cared about Arkham City and Arkham Knight and even Arkham Origins, even if people didn't like it, at least they cared about it. I just like, yeah, I feel like storytelling and characterization and like through line narratives take a massive backseat to here's a bunch of stuff to do for 30 yeah. hours and it doesn't land. Like they're not memorable. Embrace like, the know, grind, so dude. Embrace yeah. the grind. <laughs> <laughs> there's like games don't, games that I don't mind grinding on but it's like they're rare they're just so yeah I just I, that was like a tangent thing but I just feel like the industry drops the ball on story stuff and that's one thing that I um, in terms of hype I think that's one of the reasons why hype has gone away to that degree because mm-hmm. we're not all waiting for a story to be concluded or anything um, but next question from TJ who says thoughts on we came as Romans also <laughs> what is the best video game economy exploit we came as Romans I never used to listen to but um, their new song or newish song Black Hole I love that song. That's like one of three songs I know by them. They completely bypassed me because I was, <laughs> I think I was coming out of the they scene went. for a bit uh, as they were coming into it. I think mm. that they launched kind of, I don't know when it would have been in my life, what age I would have been, but I just remember seeing it and being like, oh, okay, this is like the next step into the screamo, hardcore, like whatever variant we're calling this mm. nowadays. And I was just like, yeah, I'm kind of done with this now for a bit. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's their name, but for whatever, maybe I got them confused with someone else. For the longest time, literally until, I don't know, last year, I thought they were an indie band. I don't know why. <laughs> it does just, sound like, a little Romans. bit. Like, like, just, you know, they just trotted in. I was just like, oh, it sounded like a folk thing or something. And then I listened to Black Hole and I was like, oh no, it's like bouncy and cool. It's got a cool riff and like, yeah, it's got a big screamy chorus. And so I, yeah, I love Dark Bloom and Black Hole and whatever the other new one is, Daggers or something. There's like three new songs that I think are cool, but I've, don't know the rest of them. Like I said, for 30 years of my life, I thought that they were a little tootly band. I, may, I think it was mainly because of the fact that they entered a... St- I, w- I saw that the genre of just heavy music in general entering like hyperbole core, where mm. basically every band was looking at what had been done before and being like, let's just add more notes in here. Let's just... <laughs> can we make this note any lower? Can we just go mm. that one step further than that? And it's like... I maybe realized my own age at that point where I was just like, it's, it's just not for me yet. I've come back right, to it right. and I do appreciate a lot of heavy and black metal and, mm-hmm. re- and death metal now. Like I've gotten a real sort of taste for. And it's like yeah. back at that point, I just didn't have the, uh, the palette for it. Speaking of black metal, uh, the new uh, Mahifi solo album, Rashomon. It's that getting is like a fun, very dark, isn't it? That thing is huge. Yeah. That thing is like monolithic. Like it feels like it's just invading all sound space around you. It's, yeah, it's, massive shout out to that. That's a weird album as well because of the fact that I never felt like Trivium were restrained. I always felt like they just no. always had like a different vision and they pushed out for that. I'm not going to say that I liked everything that they put out. Like mm. I'm very, I know this splits opinion, but I didn't like Crusade where they were just like, hey, we're Metallica oh, I think now. everyone hated like, Crusade. It's just yeah. like, hey. And then it was like, they went through their Japanese phase where they were like, oh, look. We're Shogun. Gonna, yeah, Shogun. And it's like, I love that a band keeps trying to evolve and do that. But it, mm. when you hear Matt Heafy's solo stuff, you're like, oh man, there is... There's something in that group that's stopping them from pushing well, into I think, I mean, specific like points of metal that allows that he's them, just free they were, to do. Yeah, they were so young. Like they were figuring it out as they went. And like, yeah, they were so young. Okay, is this what we're supposed to be? Okay, because they said back in the day when the Crusade came out that they were such fans of Metallica and they were like, oh, yeah, all the bands yeah. that we listened to growing up didn't sound like screamy stuff, so we'll do something like mm-hmm. that. And then yeah, the Japanese stuff and embracing that, that was Hefe sort of looking into his own heritage yep. and going, like, it, okay. Yep. 
I love this stuff. And then yeah, Shogun I think is their masterpiece. But like I, I mean, I trivia one of my favorite bands. So like, I like love their trajectory. But it's interesting where they are now with um, Heafy just saying that he got really into black metal across yeah. the last few years, um, and then has been able to do this really brutal, gruesome, like all-encompassing, sonically heavy thing, um, which is entirely sort of Japanese themed. Like it's all it's mm-hmm. called Rashomon, mm-hmm. and it, it has all these different um, sort of narrative elements to it. I just think that's incredibly impressive. Obviously, black metal is a massive acquired taste. Um, so don't go into it if you've been listening to. I don't know, Rina Sawayama, even though I'd massively recommend her new song too, but still. It's so weird as well, like the whole sort of like uh, death and black metal scenes, because there are some bands that are heavy because they infuse a lot of doom into it, where it's Mm. slow and oppressive. And then you've got the other side, which is like, you know, it sounds like it was recorded in a phone booth and it's like somebody's (laughs) like screaming uh, down the phone at you sort of thing. Like it's very, almost like aggressively (laughs) bad production Black Breath was like that. Yeah, it's it's very weird. But like, I go from like listening to like uh, uh, Blind Guardian to like uh, Satyricon and they're both within the same genre, but they are not the same sound. Mm. And it's, I, I, I find that there are very few genres of hard rock, heavy metal, the, the heavier side of music mm. that have as much divergence within the groups. Uh, like, right. I mean, I, rem- I remember listening to Dimi, I always pronounce this Dimi wrong. Borgia. Dimi Borgia. <laughs> And being like, what is this mess? And then a couple of yes. years later, coming back to it and being like, I love this mess. Like, well, I, I, for Trivium, I came in on the Crusade album because I couldn't get away with um, Ember to Inferno or um, Ascendancy or whatever. So, oh, that's too screamy. So I liked the Crusade because I was all like, oh, it's more palatable and easy. And then I hated Shogun because it was screamy yeah, again. Yeah. And so like that, th- all those things took me um, like an acquired taste. Because how do you find with screamy stuff? I was talking to my wife about this. I'll, I can work to the screamiest, most yep. brutal stuff yep. possible because to me, it's a wall of sound. It's a cocoon. I can work within that. Mm-hmm. And so like I'm kind of like inside that vortex or something. It blocks everything out. Yeah. Um, it really works for me. And I, I like that a lot. Whereas she is like, there is no way I can form a cogent <laughs> sentence when Mahifi or anyone is just screaming at me. But like, how do you find that uh, that balance? So there is like, there's a few uh, genres of music that I work really well too. Mm. Um, and it's actually one of the biggest pet peeves of my partner, Kerry, because of the fact that <laughs> it, she said once that it was insulting to the artist that I use them as kind of white noise effectively to like work <laughs> and, and i do agree with her on some level on that because it's, it's not like i'm trying to diss them by listening to them mm. while i'm doing something else but it is that feeling and a vibe of uh, it blocks out it gives you tunnel vision in the best way because it allows yeah. you to focus and totally. i find that the genres that work the best for that for me are I can get on with very repetitive house music. That that literally okay. just puts me in the zone. I will listen to uh, the heaviest, screamiest thing that I possibly can. And again, that mm-hmm. blocks it out. But the one that I can't do it with is rap because I always end up it's listening to the driven. yeah because I'm listening yeah, to the lyric driven. and I'm like that was clever and I've lost my yeah. my train of thought. That was really smart. No, totally. Like that was funny. Like. I go back to um, this is this is the most me sentence ever, but I go back to old PlayStation demo disc music. Oh, classic. and it's like give me honestly, give me old Namco soundtracks, give me old um, like two thousands music game like music game soundtracks, Tekken Tag soundtracks, yep. the most nostalgic thing in the world. And then yeah, like occasionally, then I realized on YouTube people just uploaded all these yeah, demo discs. So you just listen to the whole thing. And I'm not listening to it like twenty four seven, but I put that on. <laughs> it was like a few months back. And I sent it to Josh. He was like, "This is the most you thing in the world." I was like, "This is the best music that was made at the time." It's like a window back into that portal. Um, and finding out that the dude who did uh, Tekken soundtracks, he's called, it's, it's like spelt S-A-N-O-D-G, okay. like Synodg, okay. um, on Spotify. Um, he has an album called Brightness. Um, that composer is like phenomenal. Like if you want a window into early 2000s grooves, um, it's Namco sounds, it's that stuff. 
Is that that is your jam? Is it? I would, yeah, I would massively recommend that stuff. Well, um, um, but yeah, if another one is like uh, that, I can always listen to no matter what is um, anything by uh, Hideki Naganuma, uh, who okay. did the Jet Set Radio uh, soundtrack. Oh, like they are amazing. In fact, I'm pretty sure that did they get that guy back for the remake i think that yeah the bomb rush future or whatever it is i'm pretty sure he did the um, well there's bomb rush cyberpunk but then sega were like oh we're rebooting crazy taxi and jet set anyway so i'm assuming that they're gonna get do it officially oh, i mean to be fair though every game that he's walked uh, he's worked on mm. has been stonkingly good we've got um <laughs> so the one that he's released recently which is for uh bomb rush i can't remember what the name cyberpunk cyberpunk it's called jack the funk and then okay. uh, he also worked on Lethal League. And I don't know if you've ever played that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lethal League's got good music. i tell you what. Have you played Lethal League like recently? Have you no, ever- I've, I've listened to the soundtrack. I listen to soundtracks sometimes more than I've like played a game or instead of a game sometimes. I love that game, man. It's like, <laughs> it's it's Smash Brothers, but with baseball. And it's just like yes. that one hit from that one ball will just KO you. I love it There's so much. There's one that I'm trying to think of that has the funkiest theme. And it's called something like Disco Ball Warriors or something. Amazing. I'll have to try and find it. It's Disco something. Um, and that thing, because I was just in this like uh, synthwave video game hole and then finding all sorts of different things and I was like I can't get to this game because it was on PC and it was on Steam but it was great. If you're looking for a good synthwave, I know that we're going off topic again unsurprisingly <laughs> on the UBP. <laughs> economy, um, we got through one, two, three, four questions. Oh, record, yes. We flew, we flew. Uh, you should check out the band LeBrock. Uh, they do kind of yes. like 80s synthy stuff and it's very emotional. <laughs> I've seen LeBrock uh, live. Oh, nice, nice. They were nice. I was meant to go um, and see okay. them, and then I twisted my ankle and couldn't go. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting back on synth gigs. That feels like the nice little, uh, the underground music scene of the last yeah. few years. Everyone gets all dressed up with their neon uh, jackets <laughs> and everything. Um, MMM. Let's end on a gaming question. Sure thing. Um, Makes sense, considering the uh, topic that we're meant to be on. <laughs> um, so this one is from That Guy Jim, who says, I've recently finished Gears of War 5 and found the ending to be very blah. Mm. What games have you uh, have you played that you really enjoyed, only for the ending to really disappoint you? I mean, we have to address the elephant in the room. Mass mm. Effect 3. I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, want to yeah. rehash something that is a dead <laughs> conversation now. But Do you know what's insane? That's 10 years old. I know. Now. I feel very That's old. A bit. I feel very old thinking about it. <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't very... Uh, satisfying but then again my biggest one my mm. all-time cannot believe how angry i got as a kid right. was you know where i'm going with this scott maybe what are you doing finishing the fight <laughs> halo 2 cliffhanger <laughs> ending i, was, I was fuming i played through that and was just like i i didn't get on with the story i was just like what is right, this right. absolute balls that you're talking about this grave mind appears the arbiters in out are we friends yep. are we enemies then the Chicken grave mind comes up. in and basically just says hey look the game was rushed fellas so the kind of continuity between levels doesn't really work so i'm just going to tell you what you need to do and you're just <laughs> going to accept it because i'm this all-seeing all-powerful thing it's like shouldn't we be trying to kill you yeah but not yet one of the weirdest, uh, like, unbelievable crunch stories is the reality of how Halo mm. 2 was made. Like, that thing was ludicrous. They, I'm sure they turned, turned the whole thing around in, like, nine months. I hate like, the fact that Microsoft ridiculous. just didn't give them the breathing room uh, for it because mm. it's like, we need to get the sequels out. And sequels come out every year, don't they? It's like, no, just chill, chill yeah, out. Yeah, I forget. I, there was a whole article. I'm not sure if it was Vanity Fair did it, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of articles, a lot of documentation of what happened around that, the release of that game. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they had to cut off the back third of the game, which would have been the big final set piece fight and then transplanted across into Halo 3. 
three. And so, yeah, that thing is like fascinating. It's weird because when I was a kid playing Halo 2, um, I liked that ending because I was like, cool, it's Halo 2. I'm looking forward to 3. And I was so ensconced in the multiplayer that I just didn't mind. And then coming out of that and everyone saying, dude, that ending. And I was like, what do you mean? And yeah. every single person yeah. I've ever talked to hated it. Um, that was like the thing. Mine would be by far Death Stranding because oh. um, that was the that was just the moment I lost <laughs> all faith in Kojima. We've talked many a time about how you came into work the next day and you were just there like, I'm done. I, I don't even I was, want to I talk just about had it. to be like, well, I've, in, I've invested in something that has now bottomed out and there's nothing here and Princess Beach and all that kind of thing. And uh, you're, you mean I had to tell me I'm, I'm Mario and you're <sighs> Princess Beach? Just, Fuming. What? Fuming no. I would have been. It's a bad time. And so uh, mine's massive. Mine personally would be that. Um, but yeah, overall, though, massive thank you to everyone for sending in their questions. This has been the Untitled Banter Podcast, the UBP. UBP. The UBP, the UBP. I've been Scott Hilford, joined by Jules Gill. Thank you very much for having me. And we'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.